Good morning, Pensacola. Andrew McKay and the Pensacola Morning News starts right now. describe as maybe a little bit of participation and uh you had like an hour of people talking about how they disagreed with the decision that was being considered to demolish the malcolm young gym now you had former city councilwoman ann hill show up and talk about how the gym needs to be protected you had former city councilwoman sherry myers show up and talk about how the gym needs to be protected you also had former city councilwoman jewel canada win show up and say uh you know Honestly, it's 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 okay to demolish this building. Physical activity and engagement is important for our children. We already know that. But the city of Pensacola has a lot of play. We have over 96 parks, recreation facilities. We have all of that. We have plenty of play. However, we do not have housing. The Malcolm Young property should be used for attainable housing. And Jewel Canada Wynn, when she was in office, did a lot to work on housing to try to, you know, control the skyrocketing price of apartment housing, to try to get a commission installed that would kind of oversee rental housing in the city of Pensacola. And it's not that she's saying it's a great thing to get rid of a gym. She's just saying, number one, we need housing. We are, like, desperately starving for housing in this city, especially housing that is going to be in any range of affordability for sort of ordinary income earners. And number two, the loss of a gym space is the loss of a recreation space. But we have a lot of recreational space already, as she said, all of those houses. Oh, yes, there has been a history of not doing what people expect. But we made a pledge to deal with housing. Housing has come up in the top five. Now, I don't know whether or not you know, the other people took the survey, but it is something that we need. And it was interesting, too, because some of the people who spoke during the meeting certainly did bring up the concept of housing and sort of were simultaneously, not all, but some, were criticizing the city for not providing enough affordable housing. 
but yet we're also wanting to preserve this gym from demolition because they want to have the space available for you know basketball games for kids for youth sports for which is very important for developmental opportunities especially for at risk youth which was kind of the one of the major arguments in favor of keeping the gym in addition to the idea that look we've got this long standing historical structure and hill was always very big on historical structures and um wanted to keep something instead of getting rid of it even though the interior condition um by most everybody's account is awful the question is whether it's so awful that it can't be saved so awful that it can only be saved with a massive amount of money or awful to the degree that it can be solved with maybe something in the vicinity of $250,000, particularly wrapping the beams with this uh, quake wrap kind of stuff. Fred Gunther is one of the people who was speaking in, on behalf of keeping the gym. Uh, park is not a gym. You can't equate the two. And by the way, what they mean there is that having an outdoor space is not the same as having an indoor controllable weather protected like place to play basketball, for example, has been one of the big issues. Anyway, going on. Uh, you all have, propo- have the proposal from Quake Rap to make Malcolm <clears throat> Young structurally sound again for, two, uh, for under $240,000. At the last CRA meeting, it was stated that Lysett and Associates, the glue Lamarch expert, did not recommend using Quake Rap to repair Malcolm Young. What was not stated was why it was not recommended. I, along with our structural engineer, called Michael Stone with Lysett the next morning. Uh, to find out, and we had a great conversation. You know, he's, Michael's the president of the company, a genuine person, very upfront. Uh, he said he didn't know enough about the Quake Rep application to be able to recommend its use. So his argument is not that it doesn't work, but that you just had somebody who was unfamiliar with the product and wasn't able, therefore, to certify it. And so his no isn't a hard no. His no is a no unless I get better information, and Fred Gunther thinks that there's better information to be available. So, um, again, that was uh, two weeks ago, well, a week and a half ago, something like that. And I've talked about this in the interim with uh, Mayor D.C. Reeves. And in this, again, in this discussion, you had people show up like Jonathan Green, former mayoral candidate. And I had made the comment, um, I think, I don't know, somewhere last week maybe, I made the comment that there were some representatives of what, what I call the People's Communist Party of Pensacola or a Socialist Party. I forget what they go by now. It's They all wear red shirts usually when they show up to meetings. Historically, when they show up to like the school board meeting, there's a couple of names associated with them. I, I gave If I gave the impression that that was everybody who was at the meeting, that's not true. Uh, but when this group shows up, and it's a, it's a handful of three or four different people. And I always think, okay, <laughs> you know, that's, well, there's a lot of other people who represent the keep the um, Malcolm Young Jim contingent, uh, including some pretty good friends. Uh, you know, again, Ann Hill and Sherry Myers are there and several other people as well. And several, you know, like Fred Gunther, I don't know him, but we're actually going to have Fred Gunther and uh, Teresa Green on later on the show about 8, 8.05, 8.10, something like that. But Jonathan Green, who ran for mayor, I think, does sort of represent the more uh, non-mainstream portion of the audience. All power to the people. I am a revolutionary. I am a revolutionary. I am a revolutionary. Right on. Which call, chant, call back, he did twice. Once when he was in the open forum section and one when he was uh, in the regular section. It's just kind of a weird approach, but, you know... It's him. I mean, he's 
kind of an unusual guy. Uh, he also talked about the materials and the cost of affordable housing and the challenge that he believes is facing the city. If basic raw materials are unaffordable, how can you produce affordable housing? That means the same houses that went up at Hallmark, the same houses that went up at Belmont de Villers, the same houses that will go at Malcolm Young will not be affordable for the demographic that lives in Pensacola. And I think there's a fair concern about that, uh, to which D.C. Reeves responded, well, yes, that's true, but that's because the price of housing on the open market with the materials, the labor, and the demand, you're not going to get builders build affordable housing on their own. They're going to have to have help from government. To understand how you're, how this community, and I can use an existing example now, uh, is going to have to approach affordable housing is there is no there is no such thing as affordable housing that doesn't require a subsidy right so um, you cannot expect any developer anyone to go buy a piece of property and turn it into affordable housing that will never happen and that's i think that's generally right that any of these sort of either you know mixed income developments or you know lower income affordable housing developments are going to require some kind of government help now I think you can have a good philosophical argument about whether that is the kind of help to be pursuing. Uh, as uh, Alex Andrade wrote in an uh, opinion piece for the PNJ recently, you know, mileage may vary on what you get out of publicly subsidized or publicly assisted housing. But D.C. Reeves' idea is, well, for example, we're buying things that we're spending money on not to like every month be putting money into the coffers, but more because we're going to own the property and then let somebody else manage it as a rental, basically, that's going to defray the cost. So the city's role, the government's role, and I'll use Pensacola Motor Lodge as an example. That's an existing one right now that the CRA spent close to a million dollars on uh, to preserve 28 units. Um, And our expectation going into it, as you'll see the letter of intent come out this month, is not to sell it. The only way we're going to be able to provide housing for people who need it is that that is our subsidy, the, 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 CRA's spend on that property is the subsidy that allows the difference between market rate housing, which you guys are speaking of and, and there's anxiety about, and making it affordable for the people who want to be able to afford it. And Which makes sense. And we'll talk with them about that tomorrow as well, some of that plan. But here's the thing. That's sort of half of the equation is the what do we want to do with the Malcolm Young Jim property once it's demolished, if it gets demolished. Then the other question is, well, should it be demolished or should we spend more money on it? And as, you know, this is not brand new news or anything, but the city council, which had been kind of split down the middle on this, I think you had uh, particularly Jared Moore and um, Jen Breyer and Charles Bear also had very serious questions about whether or not they could solve the Malcolm Young Jim property and keep it basically intact as a you know operational facility. And um, at least Jen Brayer and Jared Moore were convinced that it doesn't make any sense, not financially. Also, you have the problem that that facility was owned by the Liberty Christian um, folks, that they had use of it. So it wasn't going to be a publicly owned community center. It wasn't like all the kids in the neighborhood were going to be able to go play there on a Wednesday afternoon. And that lease was for another 17 years. So it was going to be super expensive to repair it, according to the city. It was going to be only something that would be, even if we repaired it, it'd just be back in private hands for 17 years. Or at least that had been the case. Whether that would still be the case, I think, might be a, to be determined. Um, but you can spend money on things like the Cobb Center, uh, and you can renovate that and you know spend better money, so to speak, and get a better result out of that. 
Or maybe even it costs less to build a brand new facility somewhere. In the meanwhile, tearing this one down, turning it into some kind of you know semi-subsidized housing that would solve the problem of the affordable housing crisis that we're facing. So those are kind of the arguments, and um, in the end, they voted 6-1 to one to demolish it. Of course, the news since then is that Jonathan Green, as the primary filer, he's an attorney, uh, at least I recall that he is anyway, I believe he is, uh, filed a um, basically both a temporary restraining order against the city in conjunction with a petition protest, which there's a provision in the Pensacola City Charter that allows you to uh, basically get enough signatures together. If 10 people disagree with a decision that's not like, I forget, there's like, you can't hire and fire personnel this way and you can't make major, like the whole budget kind of thing this way, but you can oppose particular decisions. Several years ago, um, you know, somebody else, Derek Costin, had tried to do one of these and it didn't work. But if you get 10 people, you can then have 60 days, I believe, to try to gather enough signatures to account for uh, 10% of the electorate. And if you do that, then you can force a vote. And then at that vote, the whole city will decide whether to override the city council or not. But it doesn't do much good to have a vote or to gather signatures if a gym has already been demolished, right? It doesn't make much sense. So they want, they're seeking a TRO to protect the gym long enough to get the signatures in order to show that they need to have a vote and then to have the vote to tell city council to do something else. Uh, so like I said, we're going to talk to um, uh, Teresa Hill and uh, Fred Gunther about this coming up at about 8, uh, 8.08, something like that later on this morning. Of course, you can always catch things on the podcast page, but that's kind of where we stand at the moment with regards to this particular project. Oh, also, if you are um, <laughs> back with us today after a brief hiatus yesterday because it was President's Day, I know a lot of you have to work on President's Day. Also, a lot of you have kids and kids were home, so you didn't have to work yesterday. Uh, you missed a scorcher yesterday. <laughs> the show was really good. Uh, two things you want to check out on the podcast page. The beginnings of the 5, 6, and 7 o'clock hour were your favorite soap opera, Days of Our Milton. So if you were a fan of the Days of Our Milton segment, then that was yesterday, 5, 6, and 7 o'clock hours. And also, um, there was a, two segments we did at 6.35 and at 7.35 in, in the middle of the 6 and the 7 o'clock hours where we talked about the white supremacists who showed up in favor of the protecting monuments discussion at the Senate. And probably by showing up, they probably killed the deal, probably killed the bill by showing up in defense of it. So that was kind of an interesting uh, portion of the show yesterday. 524 here on News Radio 923, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. I have diabetes. I'm at risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. I have asthma. I'm at risk, too. If you're 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, COPD, or heart disease, or are 65 or older, you are at increased risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about Prevnar 20, pneumococcal 20-valent conjugate vaccine, a Pfizer vaccine that can help protect you against pneumococcal pneumonia in just one dose. Even if you've already been vaccinated with other pneumonia vaccines, Prevnar 20 may help provide added protection. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. You know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune in to What Your Money Would Say with Andrew McNair of Swan Capital, Saturdays at 1, to get answers to your retirement planning questions. 
plan today so you can do all the things you've dreamt about doing in retirement. Don't miss What Your Money Would Say with Andrew McNair, Saturdays at 1. Firm offers insurance services, advisory services offered through Swan Capital, LLC. Join the Pensacola Expert Panel tomorrow at 1030 as Bess Marks from Lazy Boy Gulf Coast joins the show and talks about Lazy Boy's upcoming events at all three Gulf Coast locations, Pensacola, Spanish Fort, and Mobile. How to incorporate Lazy Boy's free in-home design service with recliners, sofas, accessories, and artwork to make your home look just like a picture out of a magazine. Text or call in your questions from the Pensacola Expert Panel at 850-437-1620, weekdays from 9 to 11 on News Radio 92.3. Start your mornings off informed with all things Pensacola on the Pensacola Morning News with Andrew McKay on News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. Great success. Hanging around downtown by myself, and I had so much time to sit and think about myself, and then there she was, like double cherry pie. Yet there she was Like disco superfly Good morning, 527 here on News Radio 92.3. I'm Andrew McKay. It's the Pensacola Morning News. David Wayne is in the newsroom this morning with our headlines. David? Well, President Biden says he's considering more sanctions against Russia after the death of Alexei Navalny. We already have sanctions moving and we're considering additional sanctions. Of course, Navalny uh, died in prison last week. Biden told reporters he's willing to enact some additional sanctions on top of those already levied after the invasion of Ukraine. Congress now on a two-week recess. The clock again ticking to fund the government. Lawmakers uh, not expected back on Capitol Hill until February 28th. That's just a couple of days before a March 1st deadline to fund a few government agencies. And uh, investigators are trying to figure out exactly how human remains ended up on a subway track in New York City over the weekend. NYPD says a human leg was found on Saturday uh, along a track in the Bronx. Uh, Right now, it's not clear who the leg belongs to or exactly uh, what happened, how it ended up there. So what we know is we have a leg. Right. And it's not a lamp. Welcome to Stop 35. (laughs) There's the leg over there. You know, it's, yeah. It's just a landmark now. Yeah. Very good. Worth knowing. Thanks for the safety tip. Uh, (laughs) David, thanks so much for the update. 528 here on News Radio 92.3, New York. Um, (laughs) You you never know. New York is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. What else do we have going on? Oh, man. Um, 437-1620, 437-1620. If you want to talk to me about anything that we are talking about, do be listening. By the way, we have more Pensacon tickets to give away. Pensacon's this weekend. Man, that is just, it always seems to sneak up on me faster and faster every year, like I'm not really prepared for it. Um, very interesting conversation at the um, uh, the town hall that Mike Kohler did uh, about taxation. And one of the concerns that uh, Mike had raised is that, one, we have a bill working that would raise the second portion of the homestead deduction, if I understand it correctly. You know, not the portion that goes from zero to 25000 but the portion that goes from fifty to 75000 would increase that to 100000 meaning you'd get an extra $25,000 of value reduction off of your property taxes if you own a home that's more than 
basically $100,000, just every home, right? So this would be about $6 million to the county every year. $6 million. I mean, you know, the budget for the county is, what, $700 million, I think? It's what I have in my head. I could be wrong about that, but that's what I have in my head. Um, so it's like 1% of the budget. You know, it's significant. The other one is um, that there is, um, you know, local option sales tax is going to be back on the ballot to reauthorize that again. And that's what allows you to build or buy new uh, fire trucks and new buildings and roads. There's, like, very specific things you can use it on. It has to be basically stuff. You know, you can't use it for salaries. But uh, if that doesn't reauthorize, you're talking about somewhere in the vicinity of $50 million a year. So his basic take was, hey, you guys can vote how you want to vote, but I can't tell you that we can do more if you make me have less coming in. Uh, and it would be a major hit to uh, the county if, the, if uh, Scambia County did not reauthorize the local option sales tax. And if this other bill went through, which would be a vote on the ballot, it would not be something the, the, the legislature does directly. Fox News, and I'm Chris Foster. A United States veto is expected to kill a United Nations Security Council resolution calling for an immediate Israeli ceasefire in Gaza, instead proposing a pause in the fighting as soon as is practicable. It would in part call for a temporary ceasefire and would call on Israel to not go into Rafah in the Gaza Strip where many Palestinian refugees have fled. Fox's Gary Baumgarten in London. Lawyers for WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange argue against sending him to the United States to face espionage charges. Prosecutors allege he conspired with Army intelligence analyst Chelsea Manning to hack into a Pentagon computer and release files. The 52-year-old supporters argue the spying charge Charges he faces are politically motivated, and he was only doing his job as a journalist. Fox's Jonathan Savage Assange has been in prison in London since 2019. His attorneys say he's too unwell to attend the two-day extradition hearing. America's listening to Fox News. Good morning, 531 at News Radio 92.3. I'm David Wayne. Right now we've got 41 degrees. It is mostly clear in Pensacola this morning, and things appear to be moving quickly towards getting some new details about Santa Rosa County's effort to become the new home of Florida's biggest American flag. The uh, formal invitation to bid process was initiated on Friday of this past week. There's some geotech work that uh, will be conducted on Friday of this week, and then we anticipate having some hard costs for the board to discuss at the first regular meeting in March. And that from yesterday's county commission meeting. And earlier this month, county commissioners directed staff to solicit bids for a flagpole that would be at least 200 feet high and the flag, of course, that would fly on it. Commissioner James Calkin says so far the response from citizens has been overwhelmingly positive. Today is the deadline to register to vote or switch party affiliation for the 19th Florida presidential preference primary. Yeah, and only the Republican Party is holding a primary in Florida this year, meaning only registered Republicans are allowed to cast ballots. There are seven names on the ballot, but Donald Trump and Nikki Haley are the only remaining major candidates left. By the way, March 7th is the deadline to request a vote by mail ballot. That's News Radio's Joe Ford reporting. Kids that are caught carrying a gun in Florida may face a tougher penalty. The full state house is scheduled to vote on a measure tomorrow. That measure would increase the crime for minors from a first-degree misdemeanor to a third-degree felony. That, of course, would extend the amount of time a child could potentially spend in a detention center for each offense. 
Similar legislation currently making its way through the Senate. The current legislative session scheduled to wrap up in March. Marco Rubio wants to close a loophole that allows goods made with slave labor to be sold in the U.S. Senator Rubio tweeting yesterday about the Chinese online seller Timu. He says they've been exploiting a loophole to avoid tariffs and flood cheaply made goods into the U.S. He believes we need to close this loophole. A law Rubio introduced two years ago was meant to ban items made with slave labor from being imported, but that law only applies to shipments of $800 or more and only from one part of China, East Turkestan. One of East Hill's favorite restaurants is closed after a kitchen fire yesterday morning. Calvert's in the Heights reportedly caught on fire on early Monday morning. The good news is nobody was hurt and the building is also okay. The bad news is they're going to be working on cleanup and required safety inspections now for a couple of days. Calvert's did post on Facebook. They're hoping to reopen uh, here later this week. It is 534, and let's get a look at our Channel 3 weather forecast. A beautiful sunny day today with temperatures warming up near 65 degrees. Overnight tonight, temperatures dropping near 47. We will continue to warm up as we go into Wednesday with mostly sunny skies, high near 68. Wednesday night, temperatures dropping near 56. We could reach the 70s by Thursday with partly cloudy skies, 71 degrees for your high Thursday, 61 for your low. Stay connected to Channel 3 News First Morning Weather Team. Download the WEAR-TV weather app. This is Brooke Richardson for the First Morning Weather Center. Thank you very much, Brooke. And right now, 41 degrees in Pensacola, 41 in Gulf Breeze, and 33 in Milton. Our next news at 6 and breaking news anytime it happens. I'm David Wayne for News Radio 92.3. Are you hungry for news that keeps you informed, is local and dependable? Look no further than News Radio Pensacola on 92.3, 95.3, and on AM 1620. We're your trusted source for all the latest happenings in the Emerald Coast. From breaking news to in-depth reports, we've got you covered. Our team of experienced journalists brings you the stories that matter most to our community. Stay connected with local events, weather updates, and traffic reports, ensuring you're always one step ahead. We're News Radio Pensacola. Informative, local, dependable. Join Micah Rockwell, the owner of the new Fleet Feet Pensacola, tomorrow at 9 a.m. on the Pensacola Expert Panel. His guests will be Dr. Grace, a podiatrist, to talk about preventative care, insults, general foot care for diabetics, and arthritis. Other topics include Fleet Feet's shoe fitting process, Fit ID foot scanner, shoes for runners, walkers, comfort, pain relief, and more. The Pensacola Expert Panel on News Radio 92.3 and AM 1620. Text or call with your questions, 850-437-1620. Serving overseas was just the beginning. We might be home from war, but our mission continues in communities all across the country. It's why we're out there in times of peace and crisis, providing meals to the hungry and supplies to the sick. It's why we're giving strength to those who are too weak and bringing resources to those without them. Service doesn't stop when we're done serving. It's what makes us the VFW. Learn more at vfw.org. Pensacola right now with Joe and Austin. 4 to 7 on News Radio Pensacola. Informative, local, dependable.
537 on News Radio 92.3. Informative, local, dependable. Interesting stuff going on elsewhere in the country with regards to legislative initiatives. You know, here in Florida, one of the things we're working on is uh, obviously the um, social media bills, but we're also working on something aimed at the election and preventing the use of artificial intelligence without notification, right? Deep fakes is what they're worried about is, you know, somebody coming on the TV and it looks like the president and it sounds like the president and he says, uh, you know, um, I don't know, any imaginable horrible thing or Trump or anybody else, right? Because this is not just imagination. There was actually a case where, um, in fact, the FCC has now made AI-generated robocalls that mimic the voices of political candidates to fool voters illegal, which is good, good, absolutely it should be. The FCC ruling, which takes effect immediately, so also good, not have to wait, big long comment period, makes voice cloning technology used in common robocall scams targeting consumers illegal. Well, again, good, you know, so you get a call that sounds like your grandchild and it's not, well, that's illegal. I, I know they're calling from Nigeria or wherever, so maybe there's difficult enforcement. But, you know, related to political things, we do have a little bit tighter reign. And this is because out of New Hampshire, Attorney General John Formella had disclosed a couple of days prior to this that somebody had sent out robocalls with cloned President Biden's voice telling voters not to participate in the January 23rd primaries there because this is what the voice told them on the phone if they got the call, the fake, okay? You want to save your vote for the November election when it's really going to matter. Which is just the kind of disgusting lie that people who don't know a lot about the process could be fooled by, right? Oh, Oh yeah. Well, I definitely don't want to don't want to waste my vote now on the primary. Definitely want to, you know, save it so I can use it in November. I I mean, no, I think you can have a fine conversation over dinner or drinks about whether people who are so ignorant of the process itself should be allowed to vote. But we don't have uh, poll taxes, we don't have bean counting tests and we don't have, you know, minimum competency requirements to be able to elgi- to be eligible to vote in the United States. Though I think there probably should be. We don't have them. <laughs> Not the bean counting test, obviously. Uh, that's a hearkening to the days of Jim Crow. Because um, that was how it was used in the past, is when you had qualification tests, you made it so impossible for basically you know blacks to qualify, and then that was a way of keeping them from voting, even though they were legally entitled. What I want is I just want people who know basic facts about how America works and the government, and then they can be allowed to vote. So, But the point is, this is obviously a horrible, disgusting, deceptive malicious lie of a robocall and because of that new hampshire attorney general and the fcc have now prohibited using fake political voices in robocalls good good but you're growing broader now in this deep fakes issue is that and also it's a challenge because like how do you prohibit something like that on the phone anyway you can't like put a warning on your phone not really it doesn't work that way it's a visual medium Uh, is what you'd need. So now you've got Wisconsin has just passed a law that prohibits a, well, it doesn't prohibit AI, but it requires you disclose that it's AI generated. So any election campaign that uses an ad that isn't actually your opponent, you have to say that it's AI. See, I just think ban it. (laughs) You know, I, I don't think that it helps much to run a tiny little scrawly disclaimer that says, you know, in the high pitched voice, like they do after an ad for an attorney, 
you know, the products and safety measures, like that kind of a thing. Like that's, And your brain doesn't work that way anyway. You show the false thing and then you run a disclaimer. Your brain still sees the false thing. Now, I know the argument for the other side is that First Amendment protects things like uh, satire, protects things like, you know, if you draw a political cartoon saying somebody says something, which they didn't actually say, but you're just drawing a political... How is that different? Well, it's different because we know that a cartoon is not a video representing a person saying a thing so realistic that you can't tell the difference between that and the real thing. So, again, I'm still of the ban it all mindset because I think that it's only going to be used for bad purposes. And uh, I, I don't know how much you get on social media, but let me just put it this way. Not everything you see on social media is accurate and true did ever happen. I mean, pictures and videos you see of things, of people, right? You've got a lot of fake stuff out there. Why? Because the software is so ca- unbelievable these days that they can do Not Not talking about politics, but, pe- you know, people. And, you know, a lot of times that's female people where you have, oh, look, these great photos of so-and-so. Well, yeah, they're fake, <laughs> right? But it's hard to tell because the fakes are very, very, very good. That's one thing. Um, just kind of realize that. Num- another thing, uh, there's been an interesting little dust-up with Matt Gates and the Tallahassee legislature over the question of whether a new bill that just got filed yesterday – uh, it's, it's a committee bill for the house state affairs committee, and it would create a second primary. Now you might say, well, what? Okay. You know how in like, if we have say four people who are running for the Republican side of governor. Okay. And all you got to do is win more than somebody else in the primary. And then you are on the ballot in November. Okay, and then we're not electing governor this year, so this is a safe example for two years from now. But Matt Gates is, you know, people think he's going to run for governor. I don't think that he is, but maybe he is. Anyway, that's the way it would work. And so if you win what they sometimes call just a, a jungle primary, but that's where all you got to do is you got to get more votes than anybody else. So as a byproduct of that, people who run in these elections will sometimes encourage other people to run because they can draw the vote away enough that a person who can't get a majority up against one other person, but who can get a plurality up against four or five other people can win the primary, and then they're in the general. And if you're in a, like, for example, a heavily Republican area, like Escambia and Santa Rosa County, all you got to do is win the primary, okay? Well, would Matt Gates win a head-to-head primary against just one other uh, Republican candidate? Uncertain. Would he win a jungle primary against four or five other candidates? Yeah, real good chance because all of the Trump supporters, all of the MAGA people would probably vote for Matt and he would win against a plurality, right? Or he would win a plurality against the field. So now this proposal, House State Affairs Committee, would be to create basically a second primary whenever there's more than one person running for a partisan office. And I guess we used to have this or have had this sometimes in the past, but it means you'd have a pre-primary and a post-primary. So you would have to get a head-to-head win. You'd have to get a majority. And what it means is in the primary, you would have to get 51%. And if you don't get 51%, then it's the top two advanced to the second primary. And the winner there goes to the general election, which you have in some, like, 
local offices where you have to win again kind of thing. You have to win once, and then, like, in a nonpartisan race, you might have five people for mayor of Pensacola, for example. And uh, nobody gets 51%, but the top two go to the general election, run against each other, right? And then you see what you get. you got to get 51%. Um, Same kind of thing here, except within the Republican and the Democratic primary system. I love this, but you're only going halfway. (laughs) Here's, Here's why I love this. This is a kind of poor man's version of instant runoff voting or ranked choice voting. This is extremely good news. If you believe, as I do, that somebody who holds an office, it's much better if they actually win the majority. And this would force somebody to win a majority in order to get there. As opposed to, again, you know, populate the field, all the nefarious tactics that people use in order to get into an office that they really didn't earn, uh, not the right way, not with, you know, the mandate from the people kind of thing. Now, Matt says he's not running for governor. Also, why would you bother trying to create something that would, you know, theoretically run against me? I don't think the interesting part of this story is the Matt Gates angle. I think the interesting part of this story is what it would mean for all kinds of other elections because every partisan race would fall under this. And that means all of a sudden your county commissioner races would be two primaries. So, for example, we have a county commissioner race coming up this year, which is likely to be a multiple. In, in, in both counties, we have them. One is in District 3 in Santa Rosa County. James Calkins and uh, Jerry Cooey, although James, I think, is still not registered to run for this race, but everybody expects him to run again. Uh, and Rhett Rowell. So you have three people running in this race. Well, the Calkins vote and the anti-Calkins vote, you know, the anti-Calkins vote might be, let's say, 60%. But if Rhett and Jerry split it, they only get 30%. And he gets 40, he wins. And that's it, because in the Republican primary, that's all there is to it. There will be no general election of any significance because it's Santa Rosa County. Okay, same thing in Escambia County, District 1, uh, theoretically, with Jeff Bergash. Jeff Bergash, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, could be, but I don't think I am, has never won a majority of his district. But he has successfully run against three or four candidates every time and won a plurality. Well, this would have forced, in his case there to be a second primary against whoever was in second place. So you'd get a true reading of 50 plus 50% plus one or not. And maybe that changes who's the county commissioner in district one these days. And it's not just those examples, but any partisan race would be subject to this if it passes. So you could have major changes to local and statewide elections if this winds up passing this session. So we'll see. It's it's a fascinating one. It's being, you know, paid attention to because of the Matt Gates element, but it would and, and by the way, and I absolutely love this idea. The only thing I don't like about it is it's a second best compared to instant runoff voting. Instant runoff voting or ranked choice voting is where you pick one, two, three, four, five, and you know, you go around and nobody gets a majority. The fives drop off and whoever you had or you know, the the fifth place person drops off, and if you had that person first your second place gets votes. And if you, again, if fourth is your second, then that one goes away. And what you get is the ability to run multiple rounds of an election with one ballot. It's a brilliant system. It solves all of these problems. It's unbelievable that we don't have it. Republicans actually made it illegal, I believe. (laughs) Because, I don't know, sometimes we're stupid. And there is a strong push by people who benefit from plurality wins like theoretically would have been President Trump, although that turns out to be false. He's just winning anyway. Um, but people who benefit from plurality wins don't want this to be the case. 549 on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. If you're thinking about that next vehicle, Frontier Motors has a great selection of good quality used cars, about 300 on the lot. 
You can go test drive a bunch, sit in a bunch, fiddle with the knobs, try the air conditioning, move the seat back. I mean, you know, try it. Really try it. Don't just, you know, a lot of times when we buy cars, we're like kind of get our mind stuck on one thing. We go try that one thing for three minutes and then, oh, yeah, sure. I'll spend the rest of my decade with that car. <laughs> it's a terrible way to date a car, right? But we do it that way. So instead, here's what I recommend. You know, go try a bunch of cars. Look around. Really compare them. Think about it side by side, but just you don't have to go to a lot of different places to check. If they have what you want, buy it. If they don't have what you want, well, you know, have them go get it. They can try. It. They can find it. They buy used cars all the time. Uh, Frontier Motors serving the Pensacola community for more than 25 years. Behind the big buffalo on Beverly Parkway. Be sure to tell them Andrew McKay says hi. Paralyzed veterans Sean Halstead and Noah Courier. I was Air Force from 93 to 98. I got hurt uh, practicing combat search and rescue. Fell off a fast rope. Um, so shattered L1 vertebrae. I don't know where I'd be without paralyzed veterans. I've only seen that now. Unite through struggle, you know, that's what the Marine Corps and service is all about. You, you get tight and those bonds just get stronger and stronger the more you struggle together and the, the harder the hardship. And uh, I don't know if it gets any harder than being a quadriplegic. So, you know, we instantly bond. Paralyzed Veterans of America is a nonprofit and it gets no federal funding. And we provide every service free of charge to every veteran and caregiver that we support. Paralyzed Veteran and PVA Executive Director, Sherman Gillums, Jr. Every life, every success, every recovery, it's tied to the initial investment you've had in us. To learn more, visit pva.org. A public service message from Paralyzed Veterans of America. Unused prescription opioid pain medicines can spell trouble. They can spell risk if taken by someone they weren't prescribed for, harm if accidentally taken by a child or pet, or overdose if they're not used as directed. Safely dispose of opioids before they can hurt your family. Find a drug take-back option such as medicine drop boxes. You may find these in your community at local pharmacies or police stations. Visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. To buy your home, you became a house hunting ace. Learned about loans, scoured neighborhoods, and asked the right questions. Now you're queen of your castle. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll feel empowered to own your retirement like you own your home. Go to aceyourretirement.org. Because when it comes to clearing financial hurdles, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. No man, no woman, no one left behind. For the VFW, it's a credo that stands long after our fighting days are over. Because our service never stops. We're still serving, which is why we pledge to help our own, no matter where they are or when they need us. Standing in lockstep with those who stood so courageously for everyone else. It's what makes us the VFW. Learn more at vfw.org. The Dave Ramsey Show, weeknight 7 to 10, before WEAR TV News on News Radio 923. Informative, local, dependable. This is the coolest thing I have ever seen. Listen as your day unfolds, challenge what the future holds, try and keep your head up to the sky. Lovers, they may cause you tears. Go ahead, release your fears. Stand up and be counted. Don't be shamed to cry. You gotta be, you gotta be bad. You gotta be bold. Yeah, I just wanted to, uh, I've been, a lot of folks been asking me about the largest flag in Florida. And uh, 
and it's turned out to be unbelievably <clears throat> positive. The response I've been getting out there, it is, uh, when we put this forward, we did not know how it would turn out and we didn't know, you know, about, you know, what the public would say about it. But if y'all only knew how much positive responses, how many people have come up to me and they just want to know when is this going to go up? When's it going to be there so I can salute it? That's James Calkins, uh, Santa Rosa County Commissioner, District 3, talking about the uh, the big flag. Jared, I did not catch his last name, so I apologize. I cannot tell it to you, but it was one of the staff who gave an update on the process of putting out a bid for their looking to see what we're going to get for this big flag. Sure thing. The uh, formal invitation to bid process was initiated on Friday of this past week. There's some geotech work that uh, will be conducted on Friday of this week, and then we anticipate having some hard costs for the board to discuss at the first regular meeting in March. All right, so soon enough, we will know a little bit more and we can talk a little bit more about this. Big plan. 554 here on News Radio 92.3. What did I say? What number was that? 554 here on News Radio 92.3. Yeah, the bourbon was good, though. Um, <laughs> we got, oh, man. Let's go to the newsroom. David Wayne is there with our headlines. David? We got, we got a headline for him? Well, what? I'll have what he's having. That's all. Uh, Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley says that she would pardon former President Trump if he were convicted of a crime during a Fox News town hall in South Carolina. Uh, Haley said it would be in the nation's best interest if he were to be pardoned so Americans could leave the negativity behind. There's a new CDC report out on the effects of long COVID. Apparently, it is more prevalent in certain states. This report says that uh, long COVID is most prevalent in West Virginia, Montana, and in Alabama. Uh, they said in those states about one in, people, uh, one in 10 people surveyed were uh, showing symptoms of it. And NASA looking for volunteers to spend a year in a simulated Mars habitat. The plan is for four people to live inside a 1,700-square-foot simulation at NASA's Johnson Space Center in Houston. That mission set for spring of 2025. A year? A year. A in isolation? Year. In isolation. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Although I know some people who would do it. You oh, know, man. I mean, I know, like, Dr. or um, uh, Mr. O from... Uh, uh, ransom he'd be like i'll do anything for this mars mission <laughs> you know he he was trying to be in it you know as a civilian but uh no no thank you i don't need to go a year without touching my honey <laughs> i mean that's you know and my kids and the dog what about the that. actual mars mission would you volunteer for oh hell no no, no thank you what no i no i have no uh, the people who have this great sense of adventure like i would love to be able to be a part of that i have zero percent of that inclination no, I love what I do. I mean, and miss all of these great city council meetings in Milton? No. <laughs> no chance. You? Uh, no. Well, you got a brand new baby. Not. Yeah, no yeah, way. No way. No I mean, way. Jake? The, the flight from Pensacola to Nashville is enough for me, so I don't think uh, <laughs> getting to Mars, I don't think I would last. No, I'm I, I'm with you. And I I've mean, seen you, space rations. I want no part of that. Well, I mean, it's, it's a little morbid to think about, but it's, you know, bye, honey, I'll be... Well, dead. I mean, there's no, you're not coming back. Uh -uh. That's it. That's a one-way trip. So, yeah, I'm out. 100% out. Uh, David, thanks so much for the update. Five fifty. What's that? Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Martian. <laughs> well, just know, know how to make potatoes from poop. Four, three, seven, <laughs> sixteen. That's, hey, if you know that, you can solve any problem with enough duct tape. Um, what was I going to do here? Oh, you know what? There was a headline yesterday. Uh, it's a bad headline. It, but, 
you got to put this headline just a little bit in context. Okay, always you got to think context. Um, the headline is more than 29,000 Palestinians have been killed in the Israel-Hamas war. That number is according to the Gaza Health Ministry. So that is certainly not a reliable number. Okay, that is, you know, that number is not one that you can, you know, take to the bank or anything like that. But let's also be honest that the number is still extraordinarily high. Right? I mean, you know, it just it's it's got to be well i mean israel itself says is they've killed over 10,000 palestinian militants okay now the problem with this number is that when the gaza health ministry reports it they don't report it as civilians versus militants so it makes it sound like israel's killed 29,000 civilians certainly not have they killed some certainly right and if you knew that it was only terrorists then you'd think, oh, fine. You know, if it's all Hamas, the more the better, okay? But if it's even half civilians or a third civilians, well, now you're talking about, you know, 10, 15,000 people. And again, their number's probably inflated and it's not telling you which is being killed, but I think it's fair to say it this way. At some point... If so many people get killed who are, and look, I know all the complications of Hamas deliberately puts themselves among the civilians. I get it. Yeah, you have me. Hello. I'm, I'm on your side. But at some point, there's a proportionality question you have to ask. Right? Ethics of war is all about proportionality. And if you had, you know, as was the case, if you had 1,200 people killed in the initial attack... You can't turn around and kill 100,000 people and say, well, it doesn't matter. You shot first. I mean, if they're all militants, it's one thing, okay? But if they're not militants, right? And so there is some threshold, and the number ratio is not well established, but there's some threshold at which you say, well, enough is enough when it comes to non-combatants. So just kind of, it's fair to keep that in mind. You're listening to News Radio 92.3. WNRP Golf Breeze, Milton, Pensacola.